when it comes to hiring, do you firmly believe it's about finding the right fit and not just placing someone in the seat? Today, we're talking with Suzanne Justice, and she works with companies to make sure they put the right candidates in the right roles. It's not just about putting someone in a seat. Thanks for listening to Bowties in Business. I'm your host, Tim Kubiak. As always, you can find me at Tim Kubiak, just about everywhere, timkubiak.com. And you can find the show at Bowties in Business on Facebook, Instagram, and at Bowties and B-I-Z on Twitter. Suzanne's been in the staffing industry for over 14 years. She successfully led teams for some of the largest staffing agencies in Washington and Oregon, including the second largest global staffing agency. She found the dream job for tens of thousands of candidates and in turn helped her clients find the right fit for their teams. She's passionate about the staffing industry and enjoys building long lasting relationships with clients and candidates. Like Ryan, her company began in 2018 with a 15 month old son at home and one on the way. Suzanne conquered her fear and took the leap of faith by following her dreams of entrepreneurship. He decided to name the company after her soon-to-be daughter, Blake Ryan. Blake Ryan Consulting was incorporated directly from her living room immediately after the decision was made. Suzanne, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So I've got to give you huge credit, right? You made a decision <laughs> and it sounds like you just went after it. Is that the right read on that? Yes, I did. You know, I kind of just figured I couldn't fail at that point, right? <laughs> there was no option. <laughs> yeah, you're all in. You're not a little bit in, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both feet, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so when did that bug for entrepreneurship start for you? You know, I've been thinking about it for a couple of years and being in the industry for so long, I just noticed a lot of changes. Um, I noticed, you know, staffing was kind of becoming a bad word. Companies were shying away from wanting to work with agencies because it really became more about how much money they could make off of a client or a candidate. Um, and, you know, I started seeing that with different companies I'd worked for. I saw companies who would pay candidates less if they wanted benefits or they were charging clients um, outrageous markups and the client had no idea. And I thought, you know, this is just not how I want to do business. So I, <laughs> I sat in my living room and thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to, I talked to my husband and he was completely behind me and we said, let's, you know, let's do it. You have the experience. I can, I can be successful, I felt. And so I, I literally just started my website and got everything moving and just started reaching out to some clients that I'd worked with in the past. How was that experience? Did they, did they welcome you with open arms? You know, it was, it was very humbling and I was very, very appreciative. Um, I, the first three contracts I had signed were clients that I'd work with and I, but I had not worked with them in probably five or six years, nice. but I had just kept that consistent relationship with them and always checked in with them. We would do lunches. Um, you know, I just, I really just nurtured that relationship. And so when I reached out and said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I've started my own business. You know, this is what we're going to be doing. This is what I stand for. They said, sign me up. <laughs> so it was really amazing. That is amazing. So, and it, it's grown from there. So you've won a bunch of awards. So we'll come back to a bit more about who you work with and what you do, but talk about how do you go from starting in your home, right? And, and taking that huge leap 
to winning awards for a top consulting firm in Austin, for example? You know, I think it's just, it really is just word of mouth. Um, and a lot of the clients that we've received since then have been referrals. And it's really just, you know, making sure that you're doing your best at what you're doing. Um, you'll always hear me in any, any time I just talk about clients or even candidates, you'll hear me use the word partner. We always partner with our clients. You know, we want to be an integral part of their hiring teams and understand their businesses. And it's not just for us, you know, popping someone in the seat to move on to the next job order. It's really, you know, working with them to build that long-term relationship. And I, that honestly, I believe that's what has gotten us to where we are. So let's talk about the difference in perspective. A little while back, I had Michael Glentner on who works on with job candidates on refining their messaging, their branding, their resumes, that sort of thing. Can you kind of share the approach when working from the hiring company side? Absolutely. So basically, you know, our goal is to essentially work as their extended HR department. So, um, but the great thing about working with a company like ours is we have that direct contact and relationship with the client. So I can go to my hiring managers and say, you know, hey, Bob, I have this candidate that we've worked with. You know, here's the story of the candidate. Here's all their experience. Here's everything outside of the resume that you're just going to look at and, you know, scan for keywords of the job description. Let me tell you their story. What are their applicable skill sets? What are their transferable skills? And really give them that full overall view of a candidate um, to help them understand why they'd be a good fit for their position. And so that's a lot of the good reasons uh, or one of the good reasons like clients will work with us. Another one is to also kind of keep them updated on what's going on in the market. You know, I we work with um, a few clients who do the same thing essentially, and I'll have conversations with them say, Hey, you know, this is what I'm seeing in the market as far as maybe a commission structure is maybe a salary structure or benefits or what candidates are using to negotiate offers. And it's a great way for them to kind of keep updated and understand what they're looking at too, when they're, when they're kind of going up against other, other companies with great candidates. And so we really, I mean, we try to do it from all facets. So let's talk about that. What have you seen change in the last year when it comes to candidates selecting an employer? Well, of course you hear, you know, candidates who they only want to work remote now. <laughs> yep. Which I, I understand. And I think, you know, with what's going on, and this is just my opinion, I think the media has done a little bit of a disservice in kind of setting that expectation that, Moving forward, everybody's going to go remote um, because it's just not applicable and it just does not work for specific companies or for specific positions. And so we have run into that with a couple of candidates where we do have to have that conversation of, hey, this is just it's not something that is going to work for this specific client or, you know, this role is working with the team and they need you in office, um, you know, three days a week or, or what, whatever it is. Um, that's kind of been the biggest thing I've seen as a difference. Now, as the market and the economy is reopening, there's a lot of competition. And I think that a lot of employers don't understand that when they go into a market like this, where, you know, there's a lot of unemployment. They think, oh, there's just a ton of candidates out there. That's great. It's going to be easy to find somebody. <laughs> but it's actually the opposite because they have so many options. 
And so that's something where we're really, you know, educating our clients around when you're working, you know, especially in some of the higher level or more um, specialized areas, you really have to come with what is, you know, your best and final offer and take an account too that you need to find a way for these candidates to feel valued, to have growth ex- uh, opportunity for them. It's not always just about the salary and benefits. Yeah, yeah. I, so I had one actually, a, a, one of my coaching clients the other day. She negotiated her deal the opposite way of of wanting to work remote. She literally her decision of which job to take. And she had several offers on the table, which was beautiful. And I mean, like you hold up all the fingers on one hand number of offers, right? (laughs) And three of the five were really great fits. The one that won her was the one that would give her an extra $400 a month to go rent her own office. At a facility. Yeah, it was really interesting. I'd not heard that from anybody before. And I thought, I thought that was pretty fascinating because she, you know, she worked for a company that had closed her office, had no intention of reopening. And she's like, well, that doesn't work for me. And she wants an office to go to. You know, you want, it's interesting because you find some people really love it and some are tired of it. I will tell you, for example, myself, I've been working, you know, working from home essentially and until recently, when our two-year-old Blake went to school, I was working at home with kids. <laughs> like, I am ready to go sit in an office again. <laughs> but I think that, I mean, that's a fantastic example of how a client is, you know, looking at a potential candidate and really doing what's going to work best for them to bring them on and make them happy in the long term. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. And it wasn't the highest paying offer. She literally took the one that, you know, okay, this is a good fit and they'll let me do what I want, you know, in terms of not being there. She is, she, she is a giant dog and a little dog. That's the boss. And that was part of her driving factor to not want to work from home. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. And you know, it's, I think it's great to do stuff like that. I mean, not everybody is driven financially, right? And some people don't need benefits. So any way that you can find that's creative or works for a candidate, I mean, I think that's just amazing. And it also goes and shows the candidate that you find them valuable and that you really do want them to be on your team by making those creative adjustments. Yeah, that's that's very true. how, how do you do that? Do you wait till you have the right candidate to kind of show that flexibility or do you use that as a recruiting tool? You know, we, we kind of try to go around what our client's specifications are, but we also do like, I'll have conversations with them ahead of time and say, look, if I have this candidate and you know, they're the perfect fit for you and they're looking for X, Y, and Z, or is that something that's open? Right. Um, and they'll tell me yes or no. They'll say, we'll definitely negotiate that way or no, we won't. Um, or here's the most we can do, but that's definitely something we would use as a a recruiting tool for sure, because it just shows that the client is flexible, willing to do what it takes for the candidate, you know, to get them on board. And it also shows that they can do adjustments and they're, they're not just looking at a salary. Right. So, um, you know, one of the things we try to do, we had a candidate who, 
the salary was, it wasn't exactly what she was looking for, but she really wanted extended vacation or she really wanted, you know, um, flexible hours. And we do stuff like that a lot. You'll see. Um, I have to say the office thing is new, but I'd love to actually maybe talk to some of my clients <laughs> and see if that's something they'd be interested in for candidates. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. It literally, it literally came out on yesterday's coaching call and I'm like, Oh my, this is brilliant, right? Because I know her so well. I'm like, this this is exact. Boy, whoever sold you, they knew how to close you. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of like that. <laughs> don't care about money. Don't care about car allowance. You know, up to right. A point, right? <laughs> Boy, you're gonna give me four hundred ninety five dollars a month to rent my own space and ship me monitors and a desktop and a laptop. Sold. <laughs> right. I love that. Yeah, and it's funny. You know, we have a couple clients that are 100 remote nationally and they that is one thing that i do i i do love is that they do ship all equipment but they actually ask them to what are you looking for how many monitors what kind and i think that's great too because it also anything you can do to really show a candidate how invested in them you are the better the more engaged they're going to be and the better chances you're going to have of, of grabbing them versus another company so it's a tough market out there right now, though. I'll tell you what, candidates are going quick. So <laughs> time is another thing. Time, one thing I always tell my clients and my team, time kills all deals. So <laughs> make sure if you find someone you like, you jump on board right away. You, you know, that's really solid advice because I, to your point earlier, I think a lot of companies think they can be, I don't want to say overly choosy because you want the right people. But if you draw out the interview process, you know, beyond a reasonable period, you're going to lose that candidate to somebody else, period. Oh, yep. We had it happen just a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately. We had a great candidate for this hard to fill role. And we had, they were interviewing, they'd already done two interviews and then they wanted them to do four more interviews. And they went through two interviews with a different company and they offered him the job and they said, you know what, this is just too much. I'm going to go ahead and move forward with this offer. So yeah, it's true. I mean, it's always good to do your due diligence. You definitely want to make sure you're not just hiring someone to hire someone, but the quicker you can make the process, or even if you can do group interviews, sometimes if you have quite a few people, that's definitely a better option than drawing out, you know, we're going to interview with three people Tuesday and then maybe two more on Thursday and then the following Monday, so-and-so is available. So I, I definitely think you got to move quick. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Um, it's, it's sales leaders. It's so funny. I watch tech startups all think they're unicorns. They all think they're the next Facebook and I'll watch some of them and they'll go, Oh, we're going to do this, but we want to be sure, sure, sure. Right. And next thing mm -hmm. you know, they're like, you know that guy's SVP at blah 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 over here. I said, yeah, and their Series B was three times what yours is probably going to be. You missed the boat. <laughs> yep, I know, and it stinks when you see that too, because especially with the, if you, it's a client we worked with for a long time, you're like, I'm telling you, this is going to be the great great candidate. But it's good too. Again, you know, it's another reason why it's great for clients to work with us because we really get to know them and understand what they're looking for. And so, for example, one of my recruiters, we have a, a national client, she'll call me and she'll say, I just interviewed this candidate. I know so-and-so will hire them in the first hour that they interview them. Let's get them on the phone. So <laughs> that I think it's too, and it's another great reason for companies to partner with agencies. 
And by agencies, I mean ours. <laughs> so, so let's talk about that. You work in at least six segments, right? Mm-hmm. So Thank talk you. about, you know, a lot of times you get people, I work in, you know, widget X or widget Y. Mm-hmm. How did you build a business that, you know, frankly covers that many, many market segments? You know, so I've done essentially all gamuts of staffing. So when I got into staffing, I was doing dental staffing. And then I've done office administrative. I've done marketing, creative, finance, manufacturing and logistics. Um, I've done healthcare. So, you know, I I know a lot of the, the companies you'll hear, well, we specialize in this or we specialize in that. And my firm belief from working in all these different facets is that unless you really sat in that position or that role, you don't really specialize in it. Now, can you focus on it? Absolutely. But it also limits you as far as the relationships you can have with your clients. So when I opened, and it's funny because a lot of people ask me that, well, what do you specialize in? But when I opened my company, that was one thing to me. I said, I don't want to limit the type of relationships I can build. I don't want to say, hey, Mr. Client, you need to fit into what my mold of, uh, of company is and what we do. I said, I want to fit into what your mold is and what you're looking for. And so I decided that I wasn't going to focus just on one industry. Um, and, you know, it's great because with a client, I can focus and work with them across their departments instead of them coming to me just for marketing and going to company B just for IT and company C just for finance. It really allows me to become, you know, more of kind of their one-stop shop for all of their needs. So you talked about, you made the statement earlier, and I knew I would come back to it. You're part of your client's HR team. What does that look like? So for us, you know, we really, when we get a new client, we go through, obviously, you know, what's your job description? What are the roles you're looking for? That kind of a thing. But then we also really get into outside of, you know, a general job description. What are you looking for? What are your must-haves? What are your nice-to-haves? What are the soft skills you're looking for? You know, obviously, team A is typically going to be a different dynamic than team B. What does that look like? What are the personalities that are going to fit in there? Um And we really take it from that approach so that we understand the ins and outs. We also look at it from a perspective of what's your pipeline look like? You know, where, what do you think you're going to be hiring in the next six months? How can we ramp up with you and how can we get ready so that let's say we come across these great candidates, we can send them over to you and say, Hey, I know maybe you're not looking now, but I have this candidate who's, who does X, Y, and Z. Would you be open and interested? Um, We also take on the full interviewing. Um, by the time our can- our clients see a candidate, we've done all the interviews, we're doing references, we, you know, we want to make sure that they're really a good fit. And then we handle all of the negotiations, we handle all of scheduling everything, facilitating everything. I mean, we really do act like their internal recruiting team. Um, and, and one of the services we do provide for some of our clients is a managed service where we literally are their rec- internal recruiting team. <laughs> Um, but we, you know, like I said, we partner with our clients to the max of our capability that they will allow us to do. So if they need job descriptions written, we will do that for them. If they need, um, HR policies, we have a a department that can help us write HR policies and get that for them. So we, 
you know, we want to help and, and be in an intricate part and do all that we can that they need that's possible for us, if that makes sense. That, that does make sense. And even though you're filling their seats, frankly, from an accounting perspective, you look different on a P&L, right? Mm-hmm. So for your an OPEX versus a CAPEX, you're not a going forward expense. Is that a fair? And I know I'm getting nerdy here, but I'm just thinking of it. If I'm a bit, if I'm a business owner and I'm listening, right. And I'm thinking, why would I hire your agency, right. Versus staffing it internally. There's actually some good financial motivations to do that beyond your reach and your talent and capabilities. And I guess that's what I'm trying to draw out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about, for example, let's say, you know, you're a manager and you're hiring for your team, okay, and you're posting an ad. And if you think about you're going through 100 resumes a day, and maybe one or two people are qualified, then you're chasing down those candidates to schedule interviews, then you're doing the interviews, then you're scheduling them to interview with someone else. Well, who's doing your job? Now, on top of that, then you have the other team members picking up the slack from the empty seat. So then those team members are starting to get burnt out or frustrated or overworked. And it really, I mean, when you really stop and break all of that down, it it is very costly for a company who doesn't have the ability or the time to really sit down and have a dedicated recruiter only focus on that. Um, Focus on hiring because their productivity goes down if you're missing someone in a seat or if you have people who are not doing their jobs because they're trying to interview. If you have a manager who's pulled away and not able to manage the team, I mean, there's just so many different things that go into it. Boy, I'm starting to twitch here from some of my hiring things in the past. Talk about how do you help a hiring manager streamline that process. I mean, I they, say they've done five interviews today. Do you help them make sense of the, you know, stack rank the, the candidates, how to communicate back that sort of thing? Absolutely. And you know, I, I am a really, <laughs> I tell my clients, I tell my team this, I tell candidates this when they're wavering or if they have multiple offers, I say, look, yes is yes. No is no. Maybe is no. I said, you have a great intuition internally. You know your business. You know your teams. If you're interviewing candidates, you have multiple candidates, you're trying to find a direction or a candidate to go with, I always go by the yes is yes, no is no, maybe is no. If there's ever apprehensions or if you're not sure, or I always tell clients and go with the one where you look at them and you're like, I know this is the right fit. Um Now, on the flip side of that, if it's something, you know, around your wavering on comp or benefits or that stuff that you can work out. But if it's the functionality and you just have that inkling, then that's what you always, I always tell them to go through that process with the candidates. And then typically, let's say if you have five, that'll dwindle them down to three, maybe two. And then we sit down and we talk about, well, let's go through what you like, what you don't, what are your, you know, the the pros, the cons now. Also, that's where it'll kind of really jump into what's going to be a good culture fit with the team, right? So what's going to fit in the the best personality-wise? What's going to fit in the best as work style? 
Um, and then that lit- usually will dwindle that down to the top candidate because it's not just about who can come in and do the job. I mean, you spend the majority of your life, usually before you know the pandemic, at work. And so you have to like the people you work with, enjoy the job you're doing, and want to collaborate and partner with the team members and not just somebody for most most roles, not somebody who just goes in, works solo with their head down and doesn't talk to anybody. So that usually can will break it down to who the number one contender is. That's it is there is that team interaction, I guess. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to consider is the candidate a cultural fit as part of that selection process, not just the skill fit. Yep. How how much does that shift across I'll say the different industry segments you work in primarily? In looking at them, they're pre- they're they're pretty impressively diverse. True. <laughs> but I'm I'm thinking so so you work in mortgage and finance, right? And you work in hospitality. I'm thinking the amount of I'll say social interaction in a hospitality role mm-hmm. is probably a whole lot more than in mortgage and finance. You know, you would think that, right? But if you think about this, if you have a top producing mortgage officer, right? He's I mean, he or she is top producing, just kills it for your company but they are extremely difficult. They're not nice to staff. I mean, you have a team underneath them too. You have mortgage assistants. They have to work with originators. They have to work with on the flip side of that, the um, agents team. I mean, there's so many different facets that go into it that you don't really think about that really that breaks down into every type of position and every team. Um, I think really where that might stand alone a little bit would maybe be IT when you're working with coders and stuff like that. But it, when you really think about socialization and relationships in most, I'd say 98% of job positions, there's a pretty high level of collaboration with other people either on your team or teams that function to support that position. That's a really good point. Yeah. You know, in, in you think, I, I was literally talking to a guy who runs a large technical organization right before we got together to do this, right? And one of his things was his engineers won't turn on their cameras for Zoom. <laughs> I'm like, mm, you pay them. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Yeah, engineers. I'm like, Mm, but you pay him, right? Yeah. He's like, I fly yeah. him in once a quarter. His workaround was, you know, when this is over, we're just going to go back and I'm going to fly him in once a quarter. I remember what they look like and it's all good. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, but we're see, being... that's, that's another thing that you have to look at stuff like that too. I and mean, you think about, it's funny because, you know, I feel like in, you know, you sales, you get it. You you have these companies who they have these huge top performers but they just don't get along with anybody because they're demanding or it has to be their way or they're just, you know, they figure they're the top performer and everyone else works for me kind of an attitude. 
And you don't realize when you have that, you see the breakdown start happening and people will quit that are in the support positions and the support positions make that top producer able to be the top producer. <laughs> so people have to stop and realize that that really is a core fundamental of your hiring. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's funny. I'm thinking of a VP I had 20 years ago. And if you were on her team, it was the most amazing thing. The minute you took a job in a different part of the organization, you were dead. Oh my God. <laughs> right? So I, I'm thinking about that. And she had amazing results. And if you were one of her people, it was great. But if you were no longer on her P&L, boy, it didn't matter. <laughs> she, she would just... <laughs> <die. Yeah. laughs> so, and, but to your point on sales producers... I don't want to say I think there's less of that now, but I think people are more interdependent in the last maybe five years on the rest of the organization for success in general. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the one thing I've seen is I've seen companies have less tolerance. I don't care if you've been number one for the last nine years, right? Stop, you know, there's places to rock the boat and push and be the squeaky wheel but stop being truly disruptive, not to the benefit of the business. I think people just don't put up with it anymore. Yeah, no, I think I agree. I think there's definitely been a shift, which is, is good because, you know, something I always, when I used to manage large teams and multiple teams is I always, you know, you're only as good as your team. So even though, you know, my teams were the highest producing teams and we won, you know, number one in the West region and all of that, it wasn't because I was so amazing. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it was also because my teams are so amazing. And it went all the way down to just whoever was on the team. It wasn't just the top producers who were amazing. It was, you know, recruiters. It was sourcers. It was coordinators. I mean, it's everybody. So I think that it's nice to see this shift, but I think that's just something I try to get clients to remember is that is really a core fundamental when you're hiring. Don't just look for who's going to give you shiny, bright numbers. Um, you know, look for the overall whole picture. Yeah. Do you miss the big teams? You know, I don't. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. The reason I don't is because I don't miss a lot of the bureaucracy for your excuse me, bureaucracy that went around it. I like being able to make quick decisions. I like being able to say, hey, and have that flexibility to do what's right and what's best for a client. Um, and I think that, you know, with my company, that's something that I really try to do is be flexible, whether it's contract terms, whether it's really what the client's looking for. Um, and I found that was always tough to do, you know, when you're in a larger organization. Now, are my plans to grow and continue to grow and have large teams at some point that I have managers overseeing? Absolutely. I'd love to continue to grow. Um, but it's interesting, too, because once you work for yourself, I don't know how you would go back <laughs> to working for someone else, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting, kind of stepping away from your core business and my core business. I'm at the point where I need to decide what to do to scale, right, as a business owner. <laughs> I can't keep doing all the things I do. And like you, 
I love, by, by the way, to all my old employees that listen, I love you guys. It's not that I don't love you, but I don't miss managing you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Managing, I mean, it gets tough, when, especially when you have multiple teams. And it's just, it, it gets, you know, you're getting spread thin and it's, uh, yeah, I don't miss that piece of it. I'll be, I'll be honest. <laughs> But you've grown your business, right? You're in multiple markets. You're doing these things. So what have you done to manage sort of the, stop the bureaucracy of the past, right? In, in bigger roles and not recreate the monster, so to speak, and still keep what you're building and you stand for uniquely yours. You know, I think for me, the, what I've done differently, well, one, we have pretty, I run pretty lean. Um, and so I think that helps because I have the way that we try to structure is you have, you know, one account manager with one client. Um, and so although my, you know, my recruiters are the one person for multiple clients, it's, it's almost within their industry too. And then I also stay very involved on a recruiting and sales level. Um, I do all of the sales, um, for, for the company, but I think that's the biggest thing right now is because I haven't scaled into huge teams. Um, I think as we continue to grow and add more, you know, my biggest thing is I try to stay involved as much as I can, but I think at some point I will have to hire someone to manage more of it than I can, because, you know, like you said, you can't keep doing everything. <laughs> I mean, my day is crazy because I'm, you know, doing the marketing, the sales, I'm trying to manage the teams, I'm making sure that accounting is accurate. So it's just, you wear so many hats at some point, I think I'll have to kind of get myself to step back a little bit. <laughs> so, so what's the first thing you want to hand off? The first thing I want to hand off? Yeah. Hmm. You know, for me, I think the number one piece, so I have an operations supervisor, but she also handles a really large client of ours. So I think I'd love to be able to get her an assistant and really just hand off all of the AP, AR, and operational HR functions and just really be able to walk away because my biggest love of this industry, honestly, is the client relationship building side. So I love getting out there. I love doing the client lunches, client meetings, talking to new clients. So that's really my favorite piece of it. And I'd love to get to a point where I can solely just focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you what I did and everyone thought I was crazy. So I took most, including my corporate clients and moved everybody to online pay. You know, we do that too, because it's so much easier. Yeah. Right. And literally everybody, somebody said, yeah, but you know, if I check out through square, you're giving up 3%. I'm like, do you know what an AR department costs? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, you know yeah. what? You're right. You pay me a hundred thousand dollars. I'm giving square three grand. There is absolutely no doubt, but I mm -hmm. can't have an AR department for three grand a month on your bill. Right. And chasing right. you and doing this in mailage and mailing and postage. And if you take that and say, OK, that's across seven, eight, ten customers, then then you're in the case where, oh, I don't just need a bookkeeper. I need a collections department. I need a receivables department. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like three percent is a bargain. Fine. Cost of doing business. 
No, I agree. We use um, QuickBooks, which is great because then it also tracks everything and it links with your account. So it helps you reconcile too, which is nice. So, so nothing against QuickBooks. I once ran a sales organization that was north of $200 million a year run off of QuickBooks. It's an amazing tool, but that kind of broke me on them. So I actually use an alternative. Wait. Yeah. I mean, it, it honestly, it worked great. If anybody from Intuit's listening to this, it, I <laughs> give you a case study you don't want, but it was an amazing tool. It had to be cut to an enterprise grade ERP system. But the problem was, is that customer was in a transactional business. So they were running 10 to 12,000 individual transactions and orders a month. And, and that tool is not designed mm -hmm. to run that many transactions at any dollar figure, right? And some were $600 and some were a quarter million dollars. And there were a lot more closer to the 600 range, right? And you had forty dollars right. orders and everything else. But, you know, you look at that and you just take that and you're running, you know, 130,000 orders a year through QuickBooks. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what did I sign yeah. up for? <laughs> no, it's but, true. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because in 2019, one of our hospitality clients um, does a ton of volume and they pay on a weekly basis, which is amazing. I'd love that. I wish all clients did that. <laughs> um, but we actually, I, I went to another vendor for payment because the, the amount we were running through and the percentage that quick, again, even anyone from Intuit's listening, I love you guys, but the percentage they would charge versus the other yeah. um, vendor, we ended up using that vendor for that specific client just because of that. Yeah. 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 You know, small business owner problems, right? Like I'm fighting. It is. I'm, I'm fighting really with is. my bank right now because they think they're a credit card company or a processor. They want to charge me, you know, basis points to move money between my own accounts and another institution. I'm like, all right, well, I have X checks a month. Guess what? I'm just going to write four really big checks and do all my other business out of that. And you're only going to keep this piece because you're making it difficult. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's interesting because I don't think people... And it's funny, like for me, I'll ha I have to say one of my biggest learning lessons in doing my own business is, you know, I ran P&Ls and I know how to read a P&L. I get where everything goes. But when it's your own business, you don't realize when you're reading that P&L for another company where that payroll is coming from exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. your own business. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about having to move the money into the sweep account? Yep, one of those. <laughs> right? You're like, well, okay. And then benefits, you're like, oh, oh, that, okay. And so definitely, as a small business owner, you get to really see, you know, also how expensive it is to do business. Yeah. So. You know, it's, I had, I had the advantage of being on the social benefits committees and a couple of companies. Right. And I actually just told the story to somebody yesterday uh, in a client meeting. And that employer was one of those employers was losing employees and they were sixty five to eighty thousand dollar a year employees. Right. So good earnings, but not at the top of the food chain. So certainly not at the bottom. Full time job came with employee benefits, 100 percent paid by the company for the employee themselves. And to then go on and the cover their 
you know, spouse, partner, and or children, you know, uh, the average domestic group of four costs $36,000 a year. And the employee was probably paying over seven years, they didn't raise rates. They just kept, the company was doing well and kept eating it. But employees were jumping and they were like, oh, I'm making $80,000. I got, you know, I got a 5% raise last year. This person will pay me an extra three grand, right? And they were, go they were going across to another company and they get there and their benefits costs were 4X, 5X. It was a lot. Mm -hmm. And literally we made the decision to go open kimono with the employees said, hey, you know what? I know you wanted more than the three to 5% raise this year and you deserve it. But by the way, here's how much our healthcare costs increased and we ate that. So we can either pass those increases along to you and give you the bigger raise, or we're gonna continue to do this because we think this is important. By the way, our 401k match is still 9% da, 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 right? and it, it was fascinating retention level went up massively everybody quit leaving because they were leaving for you know it was money don't get me wrong but they were costing themselves money and once they understood their <laughs> economics but most companies don't do that to your point no they don't <laughs> you know well and it's funny because i just had a, a similar conversation with a, a candidate who was looking at two different offers and one of them came in a little bit lower but the Benefits were 100% paid and then 75% paid for dependents. And I had that same conversation. I said, you know, it's, it's, and it was only a couple thousand dollars less, but I said, look at how much you'll be saving annually in benefit costs, you know? And I said, you have to take that into consideration if you need benefits, that they're expensive. Yeah. And, you know, depending on who the company goes with, what they're different you know, options are, I mean, some people spend, and if you have dependents, a lot of money on benefits a year. So. Yeah. It, you know, when you talk about economics and we talked about job market being good, but anybody who had to go to Cobra last year got a real taste of what that costs. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So expensive. <laughs> so I know we're running up on time here. So I'm going to ask you a question from a candidate's perspective. What can a candidate do to make themselves stand out to you, kind of as a closing set of points? Stand out to us? Um, I mean, the, the best thing that you can do is reach out to us with your resume and let, just send us an email and let us know exactly what you're looking for. Um, that's a great way to get in front of our recruiters. And then what we typically do is reach out and set up interviews. And, you know, we'll help candidates with your resume. We'll help you with you know, we do all the interview prepping with you on what to expect, what to look for. We make sure you've researched our clients. Um, really, the first step of getting noticed is just reach out to us, give us your resume, let us know what you're looking for, and then let us take you through the process. That's beautifully simple, right? I love that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Why overcomplicate things? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, most people say, oh, you know, we'll find you, but do this. So when we, when you show up, it's good. That's awesome. Reach out to you guys, tell everybody where they can find you and, you know, we'll kind of go from there. So we're on LinkedIn, um, Blake Ryan consulting. We're on Instagram at Blake Ryan consulting, uh, Twitter, Facebook, same handles at Blake Ryan consulting. 
You can also go to our website, which is www.blakeryanconsulting.com. I remind everyone that Ryan is R-I-A-N. <laughs> um, and then a great way to reach us too is email recruiting at blakeryanconsulting.com. And that actually comes directly to me. So every email that goes through that box, I take a look at prior to my recruiters receiving it. That's actually an amazing business practice. I love that. You know, I think that I, I, like I said, as busy as I get, I still try to do everything I can to stay involved. I go through all my LinkedIn messages and respond personally. It, sometimes it takes me a little while. So if you you have something in my inbox, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm working on it. But, you know, I just, I think it's important. I think it's really, for me, I just want to stay engaged and really keep that personal, you know, relationship and partnership going. And um, with candidates too, you know, one of the things I posted on LinkedIn a few months ago, I had a candidate reach out to me in the middle of the pandemic and just text me and said, Hey, Suzanne, I hope you and your family are doing well um, during this time. And, and I, he said, I don't think you remember me. My name is blah, blah, blah. You helped me get a, a job, you know, a couple years ago. And I said, I, I totally remember you. And I remember exactly where I placed you and how's it going. And thank you so much for reaching out. And he said, you know, thank you. The position you got me helped me land permanently. And I've been able to take care of my family. And it's just, it's stuff like that, that I live for. Right. So I really try to still stay as involved as I can in all facets of everything. That, you know <laughs> what, that's the sign of a business that's going to continue to do well. I hope so. <laughs> if you have any clients, you know, looking, send them my way. <laughs> we will. I will definitely, A, I will definitely do that. And B, everybody, the, the links are in the show notes, so you don't have to type or spell or anything. So you can find Suzanne and her folks. And, you know, if you send a resume, they're great. If you've got a company and you're looking to hire, that's great too. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.